um, for those that would like to is uh, this book that we have handed out um, for those that would like to. This is a book that we've provided for you from the church. Um, it is the Great Com- Commandment Principle. Rediscovering the priority of relationships what will transform your church, your family, and your life. And, and this book really encompasses the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. It gives you the ability to see these two different um, aspects of what God has commanded us to do in a different light. A lot of what I'm preaching over the next several weeks really is identified in here, plus what you're going to get a lot this year. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm just not a reader. Well, find someone to read to you. Um, so, I, just being honest, sometimes we got to do things that are not always comfortable. My wife's actually been reading uh, putting books on um, uh, basically MP3s for someone who can't read. And so she's been blessing someone that way, and she's been reading uh, different spiritual pieces to them. We bought these as a church to bless you because we believe it's important um, for where we're going this year. They're up here in this box on the front. Um, if we run out and we need more, we'll get more. But we're dealing with one another. We're dealing with relationship. Um, that book's still good, you know, even though it hit the floor. Um, I, I've labeled this a hard hat area. How many of you have ever been on a construction site before? They have these big signs out there, hard hat area, hard hats required. They want you to protect your noggin, right? Um, we're in a hard hat area. Um, how many know that relationships are messy? How many of you have ever had an uncomfortable conversation with a spouse or sibling or friend where it was almost ugly? (laughs) Now, you don't always have to be honest, but we all know, we all deal with them. Even your pastor deals with those moments. I I did not come from a, a squishy family experience growing up where we just loved on each other. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, you just love on each other and everything's good and everything's happy and everything's, you know, I mean, the the most difficult thing that you've run into is running out of, you know, um, chocolate ice cream or something like that. You know, (laughs) but I'm just... Some of us come, have come from some rough environments. Some of us have had influences on our life that make it difficult. And so it makes it a challenge when we are trying to be family with one another in the body of Christ. It was not, love was not my first language. Do you know what I'm saying? Anger was my first language, and I didn't really understand that that was my first language until, you know, the last couple years, and I realized why I struggle with people the way I do. It's because I've approached so much of communication from an avoidance of this, this uncomfortable topic that was part of my life. Anger and grief informed so much of my childhood that I never had an opportunity to address uh, because I didn't understand. We didn't talk about it. We just beat on each other. You know, it was four, there were four boys in my family, one girl, and, and then my dad, and, 
and, and we just knew about violence. We knew about breaking things. It was easier to break something than it was to deal with the core problem. The only problem is that once you break something, then you've either got to fix that or you throw it away. So my dad spent a lot of time throughout our growing up years fixing all the things we broke. You know, windows, walls, you know, thrown through walls and through glass. And I mean, we just, we broke everything. You know, it was, I knew, I know now why we lived out in the middle of nowhere for so many years of our life. It's because um, my dad didn't have to explain a lot of those things to people. Um, But we were just, we were an angry group of people. Up until I led my dad to the Lord, um, he was an angry man. Broke things, you know, he just, he didn't know how to communicate love in a manner that helped us to, to really understand it. So when I deal with this one anothering thing as a hard hat area, things could get messy. Just like you deal with at home. Now, what I'm encouraging you is to not give up and leave because things get messy. Stick it out. You're going to be better for it. If you're having an uncomfortable uh, conversation with someone at church, stick it out. Because I guarantee you it's going to make you a better person on the other side. Just like your marriage is better when you work through the challenges and struggles of life. Last week we dealt with the first four of these one anothering concepts. Um, Love one another, be members one to another, honor one another, and live in harmony with one another. Those four alone, if we didn't do anything else, that would be enough to take up the next year. Because they're a challenge every day. But we're not done, and so I'm going to keep going. Because there's so much of this that I really think that we need to get. Number five is to build up one another. Let us do all we can to live in peace. And let us work hard to build up one another. Romans 15 or 14, 19. Let us work hard to build up one another. Paul is focusing on the law of love in his writing in chapter 14 here. And he is giving instruction, he is giving guidance to the church how it should this love should be manifested this is this is about spiritual advancement as much as it is relational advancement it is about adding to someone else's life in such a way that they are better for it when we're talking about building someone up we're talking about adding a level of support to someone i remember when i was working with my children um, playing basketball One of the things that we really focused a lot on in those early years were some very simple concepts. One, doing a layup. That is is the first concept that you need to teach a child before they do anything, when a basketball player, before they really learn to do anything else is how to do a layup. Because at that first level, 90% of the shots they shoot are within a couple feet of the basket. So our teams were successful and won because our kids could do layups. 
So we worked a lot on half of our practice was on just doing layups. And then we moved out from there and taught them how to shoot free throws and other things like that. We taught them the basics on how to hold the ball and how to shoot from there. But it was a, it was a process of teaching them the fundamental things to make them successful because I wanted to add to their life those skill sets that would make them a better basketball player. Now, the other thing we teach them is control. Control of their emotions. Because if you're in the midst of a heated basketball game and you lose control, you can lose the opportunity to win. So we teach them how important it is that they, that they maintain a level of control of who they are. So when we're looking at this passage about building up one another, we're talking about adding to someone else in the body of Christ a necessary skill set that will help them to be successful in life. Can you think of something that you can help add to somebody else's life that will help them be successful? Give me some ideas. Putting the other person first? That's a great one. Thinking about someone else before yourself. That's, that is a scriptural principle that we can all benefit from. Encouragement. Very right. We need to learn to be encouragers identifying things that someone else is doing and, and speaking well of those. Listening. That is a huge one. My wife is the best listener I know. And I'll just be honest about that. She, she listens um, actively to lots of people. What else? Okay. Sometimes. But we have to be careful with giving advice because then we're telling somebody what to do. Many times people don't want us to tell us what to do. They just want to listen, us to listen to them. Most people can really figure out what they need to do. And if we give advice, the advice needs to be in line with Scripture. Can I be honest with you? If you're giving somebody advice on something to do in life, and if it's not in the Word of God, don't do it. Being a helper, yeah, that's a good one. We can, we can come along. There's a gift of helps in the church where we just, these are people that are, are specifically gifted where they come alongside someone to help them to be successful. So when we're talking about this skill of building up each other, it is adding to somebody else's life intentionally something that will make them better. Miss Stephanie. Grace. That's a great one. And you'll find that these, uh, many of these skill sets we're going to talk about in these one anothering um, aspects of the messages over the next you know, three, four months, year. I don't know how long it's going to take for us to get through it. Because last week I thought I was going to get through eight and we got through four. So today I think I prepared 12 and we'll, we may get through two. You never know. I don't set a time limit about how long I'm going to talk about each point. I try to get to the point of what I'm saying, and sometimes that takes longer. The key ingredient to this building up piece is, is done with a mindset to live in peace, in peace with someone so we aren't trying to uh, pick a fight. That's it, and key that when you get into the core, the Greek of this, 
this building up somebody is done in such a way that you're, you're not just calling out something to pick a fight. You're not identifying something that needs to be addressed in a person's life because you're irritated with them and you just want to... It's about living in peace. So each one of these things as we deal with them, we need to understand that there is a scriptural guideline that is meant to bring a level of enhancement to the body of Christ. So build up. Number six, Romans 15.5, be like-minded toward one another. Our God is a God who strengthens and encourages you. May He give you the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had. In Romans 12, 16, we were instructed to live in harmony with each other. This is what we dealt with last week. To have an understanding about them that allowed us to love them without easily being offended or offending them. And here, Paul calls us into a deeper level of like-mindedness that really is focusing on us having the same mindset as Jesus Christ had. Now, what happens in the body of Christ if we make it our own personal decision that I am going to think like Christ in the things that I do? What happens to the church when each individual takes upon that, that personal initiative of having the mindset of Christ? What happens in the body? Randy. Yeah, it opens up the flow of God's blessing. If we're all thinking the same way, do you see the, the full potential of what God can do because we're all thinking like Christ is thinking? Now, I don't want, I don't want in any way to make this seem simple. It is far from being simple. It is, a, it is a difficult process every day. The Apostle Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. There was something within Paul that continued to want to manifest itself that took him away from this this. Christ-like thinking, so he had to put to death the, the flesh, and that always wants to manifest itself so that we don't think like Christ, so that we don't put others first, so that we don't extend grace, so that we don't extend love. All those things are Christ-like thinking, and if you find yourself putting yourself above someone else, if you find yourself being angry at someone thinking that the hammer needs to come down on them, you might not really be having a Christ-like moment in life. If your first thought is to go out and punch something, it may not be a Christ-like moment. And so we have to realize this having this, this like-minded nature, this command that is being issued for us, in, in the book of Romans, is really this addressing of how we think on a personal level that identifies with Christ. And so what Paul is, is instructing us to do is we need to each take on a personal responsibility to make sure that how we are thinking aligns itself to the thoughts of Christ. I can't do that for any of you. I can teach you a lot of things. Every single person in this church in leadership can teach you lots of things. But the reality is, you have to choose to think like the Christ. 
God has provided for us 66 books in the Bible that are filled with truth. And if we would spend time studying the Word of God and applying those truths to our lives, then our thought processes become aligned to His. And so I want to challenge you to start aligning your thoughts to that of Christ. That what would Jesus do should be transformed to what would Jesus think for us today? How does He approach this? How does this affect how He wants me to operate within the church? Now, many of these concepts really are being given to the body of Christ and how we function within the body itself. Paul was writing letters to the churches that he had planted to address problems and issues. And so some of the things that we are dealing with are things that he was identifying that were happening in church. And he wants you to know, listen, this is not about you acting like me. This is about you acting like Christ. Because if all of us set the goal of of acting the way Christ would act, then we're going to be in alignment with each other. That doesn't mean we're all going to act the same way it doesn't mean it's it's going to look the same my brother randy and i can operate on the same scripture and each one of them will have a slightly different manifestation of how that scripture looks because randy is randy and i'm me god has called each one of us with the unique piece that each one of us bring to the body of christ and we need that uniqueness you know, even in, in the twins that I have in my family with Gabriel and Levi, they, I still cannot tell them apart. Praise God. I don't address them when they come out and greet me in the morning. If I knew what shirt they went to bed in, I am better off. I, I may be the only one in my family. It's okay. But I just, I wait for someone else to call, come out and call them by name. I'm just being honest. I will ask them, but sometimes I just wait. But even though they have identical qualities, they are completely different in how they act. And yet, we're going to leave it there. So let's go on. Number seven. Look at that. I've already covered two of them. Uh, Romans 15, 7. Accept one another. Christ has accepted you, so accept one another in order to bring praise to God. Here we have the command to welcome people, to accept them. Now, he didn't say approve one another, right? See, sometimes we struggle being in a relationship with people because we don't always approve of some of the things that they are doing with their life. And this word acceptance is not about us giving a level of endorsement about their lifestyle. It is about letting them know that they are part of the family of God. And when we do this, when we bring that thought process into this mix, what we are doing is we are saying, listen, God so loved you that He sent Christ to die for you. And that 
above everything else is the most important reason why I accept you. (laughs) Now, have you ever have somebody else in the body of Christ that you just could not agree with, you could not get along with? You know, it happens. It happens. I've been in a lot of churches. And I don't always like every person I go to church with. That's okay. I don't have to. I, I can still love them. I can still accept them as part of the body of Christ. You know what? There are some other churches that I don't necessarily agree with everything that they do. That's okay. I don't have to. But the last time I checked, God hasn't placed me in a position to determine whether or not they're getting into heaven or not. Do you understand that? God has not put you in that position. That He is in it. That He is the decision maker. (laughs) He's the one who keeps the book. And He is dealing with us. I am so thankful that God is dealing me on an individual level. He knows all the details about my life. Praise God that you guys don't. I am thankful that I do not have to come to you, all of you, and and lay out everything about my life. I don't want to live that way. But you know what? He knows it all. And now there are certain things that God says, listen, you need to go to this person and take care of this. And I honor God in those things. And then there are some things, he, you know what? He says, listen, this is between you and I. We'll take care of this. And he deals with it. He loves me that much. He doesn't want to put my life on display so that, you know, everybody can see everything. You know, I'm glad God gives us the ability to wear clothes, you know, that they cover some of the ugliness of our lives. See, you guys are going so many other directions there. You guys are going to have to clean your minds there. But God wants us to accept one another. Um, about a about a couple months ago, I was dealing with a I was talking with a lady that um, she had grown up in a Christian home, had walked away from that, had gotten into some um, Native American practices and and um, some transfer of energy stuff. And you know what? She was wanting to just talk with me and be with me. And and um, it's like, okay, I spent time with her. I prayed with her. I my my faith is not so fragile that when someone is slightly off from where I am at, that it affects me in a negative way. And sometimes what we do at the church is soon, as soon as someone throws up a practice that we don't agree with, it's like, hey, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything getting that on me. It's like the, you know, we're afraid of the coronavirus, you know, getting on us for everything. And, and we wear a mask and all this stuff. Now, and not speaking ill of that. I'm just saying we do that with our faith. And we come into situations, encounters with people, and, and we make it this some strange and weird thing because we don't understand where they're at. And I, God doesn't need me to understand where they're at. He has called me to be a conduit of His presence so that I can love on these people. I remember sitting across from an individual and she, she identified as a lesbian and she looked at me and she said, you don't agree with my lifestyle. And I said, no, but that's okay. 
I don't have to identify with your lifestyle to be able to pray with you. God is the one that you have to have a conversation with. And I don't in any way want to block you from having a conversation with God. See, church, we need to get to a place where we are, we are secure in our own faith that we can have a conversation with someone that we don't agree with. It is so frustrating to have churches argue and fight because we don't agree with somebody else's presentation of something. And he says here that we need to learn to accept one another, and in so doing, we bring praise to God. Our actions will lead to a process of glorifying God. God, How many of you as parents, you just feel like the top of the line when your kids are getting along and love each other? I mean, is there, let's be honest, is there something special that happens in your, in your whole being when all of a sudden your kids just love each other and they're getting along? Sorry, Aubrey, I know. I get loud sometimes. But there is something about when we can get along in the body of Christ that it brings God glory. You don't have to agree with me all the time. That's okay. But please, you know what? If you don't agree with it, come talk to me. Don't go telling 12 other people about what you don't agree with. If you don't agree with me, come tell me. I'm not going to yell at you. My wife doesn't even agree with me on everything. That's okay. I don't expect her to. You know what? God did not make her like me. We're different. And that's what makes us so valuable to each other is the differences that we bring to the relationship. So I want to encourage you. This process of acceptance is not about endorsing anything. It is about loving like God loves. Number eight. 1 Corinthians 12.25 Care for one another. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. Now I'm giving you these references and I would encourage you that this week that you go deeper. I'm, because of the, the time frame and the number of these that we're covering, that I, I'm not expecting you to for me to be able to read the entire chapter. But you can. Go deeper. When we get into the depth of these verses and understand that Paul is dealing with a genuine thought that we have for the well-being of someone else in the body of Christ, that our responsibility is to care for them and is to go the extra mile to show our love for people. See, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is dealing with unity in the midst of diversity. (laughs) When you get into the full of this chapter, Paul's talking about the diversity of the body and how we're all different and unique, and yet we need to be in unity. (laughs) So when he says to care for people, he's talking about caring for people that are different than you, going the extra mile to show it, even if it's not always comfortable. Don't think that someone has to be like you for you to care for them. 
We are all different, and God likes it that way. But that does not remove us from the responsibility of caring for one another because it brings God great glory. I'm thinking. Number nine, we're going on. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13 Really, this goes hand in hand with caring for one another. Serve one another in love. My brothers and sisters, he doesn't leave any... I like it so much when he doesn't just say brothers. And sometimes we look at it and say, well, he's always speaking to the men. Well, really, when you get into the original language, it was a neuter gender, and they back then when they spoke in that capacity, they used one word and it encompassed both. In this setting, they bring both brothers and sisters, or at least in this translation, making sure that we all understand that God is speaking to both of us. You were chosen to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to live under the power of sin. Instead, serve one another in love. Serving is about surrendering ownership of your life to another. It, this verse specifically deals with us walking in a level of obedience with God. How many of you would say that obedience to God is a priority? See, that's, we all should be there. God, more than anything else, I want to obey you. Throughout the Scriptures, he emphasizes that obedience is better than sacrifice. We would rather sacrifice. And God says, I would rather you obey. Church, God is saying that we need to serve one another in love. The love does not come from us, it comes from God. We dealt with that uh, several weeks ago that we need to call upon, we need to put a um, uh, a demand upon the love of God that we can serve one another differently. There are some people that God is going to place before you that He wants you to serve, and you, you are, as soon as they come up, you're going to think, God, I have an issue with this person right now. God said, I didn't ask you if you had an issue. I said to go serve. And that's where we need to be able to avail ourselves of the love of God to go and be obedient. Service is first and foremost about obedience to God. Are you serving where God has called you to serve? To who God has called you to serve? Are you being obedient out of love for God? Those are things that I cannot tie to you. You have to be willing. And that's why this specific aspect of service is, deals with this piece of surrendering ownership of our lives to God. It is saying, God, I am yours. Now this service is not surrendering ownership to a person. It is not us becoming a slave to someone else. It is about becoming a slave to God and saying, God, I am going to do this out of my love for You and because I want to be found pleasing in Your eyes. That is really our responsibility. And number ten, my last one that I'll cover today 
is, and I find this one to be a good one, and it's a double piece one. Uh, Galatians 5.26 says, Don't provoke or envy one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So in this passage, what we have is God is saying, listen, this is not about you um, trying to get a response out of someone. This aspect of provoking, there is another passage of Scripture that talks about um, uh, prodding one another, trying to call something out of someone in a gift setting where they have something that God wants to use and you're trying to pull them out. And this aspect of provoking is trying to get a rise out of someone. Do, do some of you know someone that if you say a certain word or bring up a certain subject, it's going to be, it has the potential to become a fight? And what he's saying is, listen, don't do that. That's wrong. I know you don't need me to tell you this, but that way of living is not godly way of living he's saying listen don't do that within the within the body of christ actually don't add this to your life don't be someone who provokes people just to get a rise out of them and then he says and he adds to this don't envy which is to um to desire what they have because you don't and, and when you do that, it changes your relationship with people. All of these verses, all of these one anothering pieces really are about relationship. This aspect of provoking and envying is if they are part of your life, they will change how you interact with that individual. And he's saying, listen, don't envy this, don't provoke them, don't try to get a response out of them, and don't start desiring what they have this is not about you. Don't make their life and what they own your, about your life. Because you're not there. There are people that will drive a nicer car than you. Don't make it about them driving a nicer car. Because you're already setting yourself down the wrong path. These are commands that God has established in His Word for us as believers to apply to our lives that we may live in a manner that brings honor and glory to God. So as we apply these, you can understand why I say this is a hard hat area. It's because these things are difficult pieces to add to our lives and if as the body of christ we're going to grow which how many know that that is our desire that we grow that we add to this place are we going to add only perfect individuals that have the right thinking all the time because such were probably none of us right <laughs> we didn't have right thinking all the time and some of us Let's be honest. We don't even have right thinking all the time today. We have to deal that, you know, being like-minded with Christ, constantly bringing our thoughts into a place of surrendering to God. So as people are coming in and they're bringing the messes that they live in to the church, because they will, we're not asking people to get cleaned up before they come here. We just we want to teach them, we want to love them where they're at. 
So I want to encourage you as you're going deeper in these on your own, because I challenge you, I encourage you, um, in this aspect I'm provoking you to go deeper. I'm telling you, listen, I want you to add some of these things to your life this week by reading and studying and seeing how God can challenge you to manifest these in your family and in your workplace. Because I believe as you begin to do that, that there will be a visible manifestation of the presence of God in that moment, and God will have an avenue, an opportunity to touch people with His truth. So can we do that this week? Can we start adding some of these things to our lives? As you do, I believe you will become more in line with who God is and who He wants to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You have given us such a tremendous resource that speaks into our lives on a daily basis the things that will only make us better as believers. That it will bring us into a closer alignment to who You want us to be as we apply these principles and concepts to our lives. That Your truth will become the truth that guides and directs our lives. And so today, I thank You for what You're doing and for what You're about to do. Because you're about to add to this church, Father, people that are in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, and our responsibility is going to be to accept them and to love them, and in so bring glory to your name. Help us to look beyond the surface to see the pain of people's lives to be individuals that work in conjunction with You to bring about healing and restoration. Lord, I thank You that You so love the world that You sent Your one and only Son that whosoever, thank You that whosoever can come, that I am a whosoever would come and have eternal life. That I had the opportunity to confess my sins and come into relationship with You. That I had the opportunity to call upon Your name and find that path of hope and redemption. This morning... You may not be at a place where you feel like these things are things you've been operating in. Maybe you've not been living in a way that allows you to love people the way God does. To accept you haven't been serving people. You haven't been caring for people. You've been very focused on yourself. On your own life and God is calling you out to begin to build up one another 
to add to somebody else's life the various skills that are going to be necessary for them to live as God called them to. And if that's you, I'm just going to invite you, wherever you're seated, to raise a hand saying, I need God to continue to work on me to bring about these things that I know I've not been living out in my life. Wherever you're seated, I'm just going to invite you just to lift a hand saying, I need God to help me in these areas of my life. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. God, you see each person. And you know where they're at, what they're struggling with, what you're trying to do. And I pray that your presence would be manifested in their lives in such a way that it would bring them closer to you, closer to your thought processes, a closer alignment to you that would help them to live out the things that you have for them. We just thank you for this day that you are doing something new in their life that you're beginning a new process. And we give you all the glory. We know that by doing so, it will bring glory and honor to you, Lord. And so we thank you in advance for what you're already doing today. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Next week, come back for a number picking. Actually, no, next week, we have a special guest speaker with us. Next week, in um, uh, in a... Open Bible, we have our Global Missions Conference. Um, next Saturday, we have a special presentation regarding uh, some of our global missions initiatives. It is going to be at Calvary Open Bible. Starts at 10 a.m. If you would like to go and be part of that and hear a little bit more in detail about the things that God is doing uh, in Open Bible, I invite you to sign up. There is a sign-up sheet out there. And what this is going to do is it's going to give you a presentation of uh, what God is doing in Open Bible. And then there's a special luncheon that day. We're going to get to eat uh, lunch with some of these um, missions board members from uh, around the United States. Um, and so we want you to come and be part of that. Um, next Sunday evening, there is a, uh, a service that we're going to participate in at Calvary. Um, uh, Reverend Carl Francis will be bringing a word, and he is a, a longtime Open Bible uh, minister, and he's been a missionary. He's been a lot of things. Uh, he is going to challenge you if you'd like to come out and be part of that. I think it's 6 o'clock next Sunday evening at Calvary Open Bible uh, over off of Valley Street. Um, and so we invite you to come out and next week we'll emphasize that. But next Sunday we have Spencer Kiroff. He is uh, uh, pastoring uh, First Church of the Open Bible in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, he will challenge you and bless you. So uh, we'll be putting some information up on our Facebook uh, feed on that. But we want to invite you out next Sunday. He's going to be bringing uh, the word for us. And I'm excited about that. Um, if you are uh, wanting to be part of some of the different things coming up with our, our Easter initiative, uh, we want to invite you to be thinking about that. And there will be opportunities for you to serve.
Uh, this is a great and exciting time. They have, they have proven that the two most heavily attended services in the entire year are Easter and Mother's Day. So those two services are the most heavily attended church services. Now you think, and Christmas isn't far behind, but really Easter and Mother's Day are the two most heavy. I can tell you, um, I am saved because my dad made us go. My mom had started going to church, and she hounded my dad for about a year and a half. And on Mother's Day in 1982... Uh, my my dad made us all all four kids go to church with my mom. Now he didn't go, but he dropped my mom and the four of us off at the church door, and and it was because of that persistence and me going on Mother's Day that that I accepted Christ as my Savior. So um, Mother's Day, you know what, Mom, put a demand on your kids if they're not going to church because on Mother's Day they're extra willing to go to church. So. Use those opportunities to put a demand on someone to take them to something good, okay? Um, sometimes moms sit back and say, oh, you don't have to do anything for me. It's okay. Just being your mom is a gift enough. Stop that. Put a demand on them. Man, use that leverage while you have it. Praise God. Ushers, would you come? We're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offerings.